0: Protection is one thing, prayer for protection, still something else. But when the God of this universe prays for you that you be protected, well, you've got every confidence in the world, don't you? From Valley Bible Church in Hercules with Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard, this is Truth For Today. Welcome to the program. Today, we turn our attention to John chapter 17, verses 6 through 16. Christ prays that His own will be protected, those that are the Father's. We invite you to spend time with us as we are encouraged with a serious look at this prayer of Jesus. Not just for the Twelve, but for you and I as well. It really is quite exciting to see. Here's Pastor
1: Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Well, we're going to look at John... Seventeen, where Christ prays for three things. He prays for himself in verses one through five. He prays for his uh, the men right in front of him, in verses six through probably twenty-one, and then he prays for those who will believe on their message, in verses twenty-one through twenty-six. Today, I want us to focus on verses six through sixteen. Where he prays that his disciples will be protected by God. That his disciples will be protected by God. We're going to look at three things. Who he prays for. What kind of protection do they need? And what means does God use today to protect his people? So who is he praying for? The world or his own? Well, it's his own. Uh, what do they need to be protected from? It's quite interesting that everybody in the room dies a martyr's death except John. So it cannot be protected from persecution and martyrdom. So how were they protected? How were they protected? And then I would just like for practical application for us. What means has God given us today to deliver us from the most insidious, brilliant, evil person on the loose in the universe, Satan, who hates the whole human race, that's why he damns the majority, he hates the believer, and we are really a rub to him because we want to make Christ known, and he's Antichrist. And so he wants to obliterate that all that he can. And uh, he hates your marriage. He hates this church. He hates the word of God. He hates anything that sounds or smells like God. How do we in this world overcome his plots to destroy us? Because whether you know it or not, he has a plan by which he likes to destroy you. Now, if you're a child of God, He won't get to ultimately destroy you, so maybe he can ruin you. Maybe he could uh, uh, make a disaster out of what we do, but we'll ultimately uh, be saved. But it's amazing how many things we can do and still be saved, but be rendered ineffective and fall into the snare and trap of the devil. So we need to be informed. And so I'll kind of do a little meandering on that third point and take us to Ephesians 6 for some practical applications. Who is he praying for? Well, uh, he's praying for those people that the Father gave him in verse 6. Uh, These are the ones you gave me out of the world. Now, when you say out of the world, know this. World is not talking about terra firma. He's not talking about geography per se. It happens on this geography, but he, when he talks about the world in John's writings, the world is not viewed as cosmology or geography. It's viewed as that system under the control of Satan, and that it has a philosophy, uh, pursuits, and pleasures that are opposed to God. And First John five nineteen says, the whole world lies in the power of of Satan. And that it means everything that runs the system, the philosophy that runs the world outside of Christ in this world, it's opposed to God. Uh, it, we're told not to love the world, not people that need Christ, but the system of evil, uh, uh, world affairs apart from God. Don't, don't fall in love with it. Don't fall in love with uh, all of its philosophies, all of what they say it takes we are different people we're seen to be aliens and pilgrims and that our politics are really in the third heaven we're citizens of another land right we're just passing through and so john says don't love the world don't uh and we made that all cosmetics and uh a lot of rules that i grew up with in the groups i was with but it's much more than just that Don't be influenced or controlled by what controls the philosophy of this world. So he says, you gave them to me out of the world in which they were lost. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Isn't this a beautiful interchange between the father and the son? They were yours, father, and you gave them to me. And I've taken care of them for these three and a half years and none of them, Is going to be lost except Judas. And they'll come to that. So I've kept the 11. Now they've come to know that everything you've given me is from you. These men said, hey, Christ is Messiah. He really is God's spokesman. The words you gave me, I gave them. They received them. And they've come to have an understanding of them. I'm asking on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me. Now, let's ask this question Should you pray for the unsaved world? Yeah. 1 Timothy 2 1, pray for leaders, pray for those in authority. But he's saying here, what I'm praying here, one thing, based upon Christ's mediatorial position before the Father, the unsaved have no mediator. They have no high priest that represents them. You see, in the Old Testament, the high priest had 12 stones on his breast that were the names of the 12 tribes. And he was clothed, and when he went into the Holy of Holies, he represented his people. He didn't represent the Gentiles. He represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And Christ, in his mediatorial work, and as our high priest... He prays for his own. He intercedes for his own. Hebrews 7 says he saves them to the uttermost because he prays and intercedes for them. Romans 8, Christ intercedes for his people. I know of no place he intercedes for those that are not. They need to come to Christ, to know Christ, and it's only when they know Christ they get an interceding Christ. And they get a representative Christ. As long as you're rejecting him, he's not representing you before the Father. So we have a representative in the Holy of Holies that prays for you and I that are his people. I'm counting on his prayer life. I'm counting on his intercessions. Well, he goes on. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for these men. All things are mine, are yours, and yours are mine. I've been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, yet they are in the world. And I come to you, keep them in your name. The name which you've given me. Verse 12, I was keeping them in your name. I guarded them. Protect my disciples. Look at the scene. I'm getting ready to leave. In a matter of 12 hours, probably within three hours, I'll be arrested. Uh, I'll be let out for six trials, three before the Gentiles, twice before a Herod, once before Pilate, three times before the Jews, six trials. It will happen from midnight on when it's illegal to hold a trial in a Jewish court. I'll be framed I'll be sold out, and within 12 hours, I'll probably be in a tomb. I'll be beat beyond recognition. I'll be killed like a criminal. So I've only got 12 to 14 hours, and I'm out of here, and I'll go back to heaven like a beaten, criminalized man. But I'm leaving these men in the world that crucifies me. I'm asking that you'll keep them. Now, here's the thing. Within 12 hours, Peter will deny him three times. So the father didn't keep him from denying. Within 12 hours, all the men there will flee from him. They'll sleep in Gethsemane and they'll flee when the troops come. Father didn't answer the prayer that way. They all slept in the garden. And he said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. They all prayed. Guess what? They entered temptation. What did they do in temptation? They all fell. So this prayer must not include that. Must not include exempt them from persecution. Exempt them from martyrdom. Exempt them from temptation. None of it happened. How was the father to keep them? What was he to keep them from? Look at verse uh, 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Uh, Was there any evil one in that upper room? John 13, Luke 22. In the upper room, the devil entered in to Judas. And he went and carried out the plot. What had happened in the upper room is one of the twelve became a devil. Became completely controlled by the devil. And he did not just get tempted. He did not just make a mistake. But he made a decision and a direction that damned him forever. He calls him the son of perdition. The word perdition means perishing. And it's a present tense. The son, son in Hebrew usually means I have the characteristic of what the son of Belial. I have the character of Belial. He's the son of perishing, perdition. The son of perishing will perish. I pray, Father, don't let any of these other 11 men become a Judas. Don't let any of these other men sell me out and never return. They will fail They will flee, they will sleep, they will deny. But don't let them finally apostatize. Don't let them finally abandon me to their eternal regret. Please, Father, keep them in the name. And I know where I'm asking you to keep them. Keep them in the world that will kill me within 12 to 14 hours. It'd be a lot easier... For God to save you and then kill you and take you to heaven. And you'd never make another mistake. But it gets greater glory in keeping you in this environment. Keeping you in the world that hates Christ. And says we will incur that hate in John 15. They will hate you because they hated me. Can God keep you in a world that hates Christ? Can God keep you in a world where you're hated because you belong to Christ? I've had different times in this church where there was uh, exit plans for people to leave this church and leave the Bay Area because the Bay Area is so bad. Not easy to raise kids in the Bay Area. Not easy to live for God in the Bay Area. Well, let me help you out with Jesus. It's not easy in the world. Wherever Satan's influence. You know, they actually have kids get in trouble in Idaho. (laughs) They actually get in trouble in Utah. And it's this idea that we're in flight. We're in fear. We can't make it. Can't stand it. Because that's one of the hardest things for our couples in this area. Where do I send my kids to school where they won't be introduced to drugs, where they won't be beat up? And that's not an easy thing. And not everybody's got the money to afford private tuition. So what do we do? Our hearts should be praying and do everything we can to provide some kind of help for the youth that are in great jeopardy. But can't you imagine these men? Our visible leader is leaving. Our visible leader didn't just say goodbye and whoop. He'll leave crucified. He'll leave being framed. He'll leave spit on, beaten, humiliated, mocked. This is our leader, and he's going, and he's saying, by the way, I'm going to leave the rest to you. But I want to pray for you. My first concern is your protection. I'm asking the Father to keep you. I've kept you for these three years. Now I'm going to ask the Father to keep you for the next 2,000 years. All who follow in the steps of these men. And the Father kept all 11 men. Not one of them gave up the faith. Now, let me ask you this. Let's go secondly. Not just who. Uh, If the devil uh, wanted to... uh, uh, defeat you, he can't destroy you, but if he wanted to defeat you, uh, what would he do to you? What would be a strategy? Um, if he hates you, and if he's loose, some folks have got him bound, on my neighborhood he's loose. What strategies would he use to bring you down? Now, what did he use on these men? Uh, Pride with Peter. Luke 22, they got in an argument over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And all the disciples are fussing about it. All of a sudden, Peter says, by the way, Lord, I don't know about these other washouts, but you can count on me. I'm going to stay true to you. And right then, Jesus has said, You know what, Peter, I want to fill you in on something. Satan has already asked me for the permission to let me handle you and sift you like wheat. He's asked permission that you just turn Peter over to me and let me show Peter what he'll do. And Christ obviously gave the permission. Denial, fleeing, doing what he said he never would do. But Christ said something. But what I'm going to do for you, Peter, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to convert you. I'm going to turn you around from your wrong choices and your wrong direction. And once you get straightened out, I want you to go and encourage the brothers not to be proud like you were and you were brought down. Pride would be the first way to bring you down is Satan's favorite way. Get you to believing and put your confidence in yourself. Because pride and unbelief, they sleep together. See, when you're proud, it's this way. Your trust moves to you. When you're trusting, it moves to God. So, pride and unbelief sleep together. I can't trust God to handle this. I can do it. So, you transfer it to you. And now you get a little proud, self-sufficient. And I can handle this. And so... uh, Satan comes up to God and says, Why don't you just let me have them a little bit? They have fallen into my sin that got me kicked out of heaven. Let me show them how weak they are if they get in my hands for but a moment. And sometimes maybe it lets the devil to you for a minute, a day, a week. Because Ephesians 6 says, Be ready for the evil day. What's the evil day? It's when the devil is coming against you. And he's got permission some way. Because God's got you in his hands, but he lets the devil get to your mind. And all of a sudden, you're in conflict. Pride. Unbelief. And and, uh, how does the devil do this? There's two ways. One, Ephesians says he has a methodical way that he brings people down. And he's been doing it for uh, millenniums. Do you think you're hard to defeat? Do you think the devil finds you, woo, I've got a hard one? (laughs) Or it says, I got another sap. I got another dummy. It's worked on 80 million already. Why wouldn't it work on him? So he reaches in his toolbox. And he pulls out certain things. And what he does, he's got a methodical way that he attacks. He's very, very methodical. And that very word is used, we are not ignorant of his schemes in Ephesians. And the word schemes is methods. We're not ignorant of his methodical way to bring us down. Then Paul said, we're not ignorant of his thoughts in Second 2 Corinthians 2.11. We are not ignorant of Satan's thoughts. So he plants certain thinking. Certain thoughts in your mind, and he's got a method. He's got a method, a- and the pride, favorite, unbelief, or doubt. Uh, Hath God said? Why well, God didn't say that? Yeah, I did say it. I, I can't believe God, or you can't. Who told you that? God's enemy, your enemy. He's methodically gets the doubts going, doubts going, pride going. And uh, then right after that, usually he'll make you afraid. Because where God's in control, he delivers from fear. Love. God's given us the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Well, my mind's confused. I'm afraid. Where's that coming from? That's not coming from God. Your enemy. He's making you afraid. And so fear. Because you hear the roar of the lion. The roar of the lion. And Alexander Solzhenitsyn said a remarkable thing years ago. You've never read the, uh, Arch- the Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn. It's an incredible story of how he survived the Russian prison system when Stalin arrested him after World War II. And he's one of the literary giants of Russia. But he was incarcerated. But he said this great line, One need only study history to realize that Fear has always signaled the beginning of the end. When fear takes over your heart, you won't proceed. You're afraid. You're kind of like Pilgrim on the way to the celestial city. And when they got close to Vanity Fair, and they wind up in Doubting Castle, but close there were the lions that roared and it scared him and Hope to death. And they stopped in the journey and they got over on the property of giant despair. And he threw them in jail and threatened to kill them. But what scared them? The lions. Why? Later when they made their escape, they saw that the lions had been chained. But they didn't know it. You see, the devil could only go so far because God keeps his own. And he won't let him destroy you, but he can distort you, distress you, and cause you misery. So what would he do? Get a hold of your mind. Start planting stuff. Start tempting you to be proud, doubtful, fearful. Of course, he'll always plant lies. Now, how does God protect us in this world? First, himself. He says, he gives us this promise, 1 Peter 1:5. You are being kept by the power of God.
0: And this is Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you, to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. As we close things out, I do want to turn things over
2: to our executive producer just for a moment. Here's Chuck latta Hello, Truth For Today listeners. My name is Chuck latta and I've been the executive producer of Truth For Today since we've been on the air in 1996. There are a couple of needs I'd like to make you aware of. The first one is a prayer need. Our dear Pastor Phil had throat surgery recently, and the healing process has not gone as smoothly or as quickly as we'd hoped. And so we're asking you to remember, Pastor Phil, in your prayers that God would bring healing to his voice, that he might continue to proclaim the gospel using the tools that God gave him, his voice. The second need is a financial need. Because we haven't been able to do our fundraiser there is a financial need, and we continue to proclaim the gospel and we because we believe that God's using it to build up the body of Christ, to encourage the saints, and to challenge those who don't know him, and to offer hope to those who are in need of hope. We want to continue doing that because we believe that God's word will never return void. That's what he said. So we're asking you to partner with us at this time. After you've met your financial obligation at your local church— Consider making a special gift to truth for today, this year, that we might continue to proclaim the truth for today. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck.
0: Your end donations are always welcome. One-time gifts, monthly gifts, large, small, it all makes a difference. Reach out to us. Your tax-deductible donation can be sent to 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547 You can also donate online, valleybible.org, or call 855-833-9864, 855-833-9864. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today.